Now that the documentary film The Essential Church has been out for a few weeks, let's revisit it. Let's look at the church and ask the questions, is the church really essential on this slice of fresh bread? Welcome to Fresh Bread with Pastor Brandon and Pastor Keith. Fresh Bread, a podcast ministry of Grace Bible Church, Gainesville. Well, welcome everyone to Fresh Bread, podcast number 28. Fresh Bread, where we're taking the truth of God's Word and serving it to a starving world. And today we're going to be talking about the movie The Essential Church, which has been out now for a while. So does the church have an exalted position in the world? If the church is in the world, is it equal to the state? So who is the head of the church, Jesus or government? Pastor Brandon. So the question is, is whether or not the church is equal in the state or equal. I think that it's interesting because they have two different roles. You know, the church has its God-given role, and the state has its God-given role. And in terms of whether they're equal or not, I don't know that that's the right question. I think that in what the church is to do, it's authoritative. The church is authoritative. And in what the state is to do, the state is authoritative. And so ultimately, Christ is over both. And so he has the ultimate authority. You know, in terms of church and state being equal, I don't know. Again, I think it depends on what you're talking about. This church isn't to be writing laws, how, you know, to conduct itself. That's the role of the state, of the government. But at the same time, the state shouldn't be telling us how to worship because that's the role of the church. So they're different. They have different roles. And I think that's what the documentary was trying to show. And that was kind of my next question. Is the church essential and why is it? We all read Romans 13 where we submit. God has ordained. He has given the authority to the government. We have police department. So that's the authority on that side. And then you have the church who's that God has also put on this earth to grow the church and to grow us spiritually to become more mature Christians as we grow to be more like Christ. So the documentary was going into now that we had a a global crisis where there's a pandemic, the government then came in and said, you guys can't have church. Mm. And the whole point of the documentary then is who has that authority? And I know we talked about it a while ago, and you, I think you nailed it. You said, look, if there's a hurricane coming, we're going we're gonna to decide not to have church if it's a Category 5. But that's us making that decision. It's not that's right. the government or Gainesville authorities saying you guys can't meet. That's right. You know, number one, I think one principle is is that it has to be, I mean, the church making the decision based on the information that they have. It has to be a Sunday by Sunday by Sunday. In terms of the gathering, we gather on the first day of the week on Sunday. It has to be a Sunday by Sunday decision that's made based on what's going on, you know, in the world. So if there's a hurricane coming, we look at it and the government can tell us because the government has the resources, the government can say, you, you shouldn't meet. We may even at, you know, on any given Sunday, we may even say, yeah, I mean, if the government says it's too dangerous to meet, we may say the government's right and we're not going to meet. But that, and that's okay because we're, we're looking at it. We're saying that's ultimately our decision to make. And we're, we're saying, yes, we agree with the government in that situation. But for the government to just say, okay, we're just going to now all of a sudden just give a blanket and there's no church because there's some potential danger out there. I, I think that's, that's certainly getting out of their lane. And this is what the documentary is, Grace Church, the battle with the government, the battle with Newsom, the battle with what was going on there. It's interesting because what you're saying is, okay, there are times where, yes, the church can 
say we're not going to open today, right? We're going to leave our doors closed. But it's it's the church making the decision. Absolutely. And and for the government to come in, you know, first off, we were we shut down for probably a couple of months. I can't remember exactly how long it was, but it was it was a fairly extended period of time, you know, where we were trying to unwrap and unravel, you know, what was true and what wasn't and, you know, we we were trying to understand. And so so yes, I mean we had from that point though, we had a different experience. We never had the authorities coming in. Never once did anybody threaten us. Never once did we get a letter or never once did we have someone come in while we were while we were meeting and to make sure we were wearing masks and all that sort of stuff. We were we self governed in that way. Why is it essential that the church meets? What is it about the church that's essential? Yeah, well, I think we have to go back to Scripture. Ultimately, as a church, we have to understand our role. You know, Hebrews 10, 24, 25, I think is a good place to start. You know, I think we we have to recognize it's essential for believers to gather, to be with one another physically, because we need one another as we navigate this world. I mean, we have to recognize the world is, is harsh, the world is unforgiving, the world is dangerous. There's temptations, there's sin that we fall into, sin patterns that we may not recognize, and, you know, we need others to be able to come alongside of. It's interesting because, you know, Hebrews 10.24, I mean, says that we gather together in order to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And so a positive aspect of gathering. It's not this legalistic situation where, oh, if you don't gather, you're going to be judged by God. Ultimately, yes, because that is potentially what can happen because I fall into a sinful pattern and I may fall away from the church. I may become apostate because I get into this pattern and I don't recognize it and I and all of a sudden I'm I've fallen away. You know, the writer of Hebrews is that's what he's warning against is don't fall away. You know, we don't get into the sinful pattern of not gathering, of not being with God's people and then end up falling away, especially when persecution is turned up. So I mean even in this situation, you know we should be because the church is undergoing persecution. So do you think this was a form of persecution? Yes. I mean, it's a qualified yes in the sense of I'm not sure that every government authority was using this to persecute the church. But I do think that there were people who used it to their advantage. And they didn't, they, they took an emergency, what was considered to be an emergency situation and they took it further than they should have. And obviously Gavin Newsom is a, is a prime example of that. Uh, Justin Trudeau in, in Canada is another example. And I'm sure that there are lesser ma- magistrates that, that would fall in that situation where they took authority that they shouldn't have had and they used it to persecute. I mean, the fact that James Coates was arrested is, uh, I think that was persecution. And, you know, that there was the situation in, in California where people, where they're coming into the body of Christ, they're coming into the gathering, and they're observing. I know that happened at Grace Church. I, I think that that is, a, that is persecution because they are, they're usurping their authority, and, and they're forcing the church to do something that, is, that would be disobeying Christ, and therefore we're, we're being forced as a church to either obey Caesar or obey Christ. And, you know, and so when we're given that choice, you have to obey Christ, and, you know, there's going to be repercussions when you do that. And those repercussions are the definition of persecution. And do you believe that this 
persecution then revealed things about the church and about the people going to church that wouldn't have been revealed? Yeah, uh, you know, it's interesting, but, you know, you think about the book of Hebrews and what's going on with, you know, the writer of Hebrews, and he's, you know, these people were enduring persecution, and that persecution was showing cracks in the church, in the foundation of the church. It was showing cracks in people's lives, and I think that that's what persecution does, is that what persecution does is what suffering does. It's what trials do, you know, and, and so when we have things that are adverse conditions that come into our lives, it, it reveals where we really are and where, what we really believe. And I think that's what happened is, is that what people really believe gets revealed. And I think that's what forces the church to go back and reexamine its doctrine to make sure that we're being, I use, I've, I've continued to use the word precise, but to be precise in our understanding of doctrine and how we practice it, because it does persecution, suffering, trials, they reveal where we really are. They reveal where what we really believe. We should be wanting to gather even more because we need to encourage one another during that time. I mean, that's, that's really, if you want to get down to the context of Hebrews and Hebrews 10, that's what's going on is these people are enduring persecution and, you know, they're, they're going back to Judaism. They're going back to these, you know, old ways of life in order to fit into society and they're falling away. And that's the struggle and that, that's the problem. That's the danger. And so we need to gather. It's essential for that, for that reason. Yeah. You would, you would think that during something like a pandemic, there would be people wanting to gather to pray for each other and to help each other, you know, with coming together. But what would it say, did it, did it say more about us not wanting to go to church? I certainly don't want to pick on anybody and just and say, well, yeah, for sure. As I looked at it, there were a lot of people driven by fear. Quite frankly, I mean, there, there's legitimate reasons to to be concerned. If I know that a swimming pool is full of alligators, I probably shouldn't go swimming in that swimming pool. I mean, there's a it, that's a legitimate decision that I shouldn't do that. Like a specific situation where I know that there's a virus that is deadly. You know, I wouldn't, I'd, I, we wouldn't want to do that. I mean, that would not be loving to do that. I think what... I think what happened with this particular situation is, is it became very nebulous in the sense of, well, we're going to do all these things. We're not going to sing, you know, in the case of California, we're going to wear masks. We're going to keep six foot apart. And there wasn't very much, if any, support scientifically that those measures were even working. There was, you know, in terms of how this thing went down, that those were even the right measures, right? I mean, it, there was, it's certainly, you know, certainly in hindsight, but even at the time, those measures felt politically motivated. Like if you were a certain political affiliation, then you thought that these were the right measures. But then, you know, if you were other political affiliation, you know, in terms of how you thought, you thought maybe other measures. I mean, it just didn't seem like at the time that we were really looking at the science, that we were really trying to understand the, you know, the pathology of, of this virus, of this, of, you know, what it was doing, how it was behaving, and trying to understand how to actually fight this thing. And it just seemed like that certain voices were being silenced, you know, for political reasons. You know, it ultimately became the government controlling people. The That seemed to be, and looking back on it now, I would say absolutely was the agenda. But back then, even, it felt like that was the agenda. 
Yeah, I like how you said the last time we talked about this, and I forgot I had forgotten about it that they did. They said it would be two weeks to to um, slow the uh, flatten the curve. Flatten the curve. So we every everyone just said, yeah, that is a no brainer. Two weeks. Well, no church for two weeks, and then after that, I don't, I can't remember if they, if it flattened it or not. But after after that, it kept it kept extending it another yes. two weeks, another two, and then pretty soon you're like, well, this isn't really doing anything, and they keep telling us we can't have church, and I think that's when Grace Church in California, when John MacArthur's church, he you know he was just preaching to an empty sanctuary, and then slowly. After a while, people started going there and, and sitting sure. and watching him. They didn't show it because the churches weren't supposed to be open. But that's kind of what all the churches in California started doing is we just started meeting outside. Yes. And, you know, I don't... You, we, everyone was doing it on, on Zoom or whatever the latest technology. Well, was. we were do, we did it on, you know, Zoom or, or I think it was Zoom at the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, we did it on Zoom for a couple of months, I think it was. But then we we came back together, and once we came back together, we it was pretty quick that we uh, we just were kind of not back to normal completely. There was still obviously, you know, there was, it was a struggle in terms of someone to get sick and how would you handle that, and you know what do you do with masks and how do you you know six foot apart, you know, disinfecting everything. I mean, we still had all that going on, but but in terms of meeting, you know, after we did that two months or so, couple months of. Um, of Zoom, you know, online stuff, we we came back together and never looked back. How big of an impact do you think it would have had? If, let's say Zoom, the technology hadn't hadn't been there yet. What what would, how how would that have changed it? Would churches have gone gone back together sooner, or would they have just, I guess, go back to videotapes and videotape well, the service and send it out? I will tell you, I think that it is a it is a gift, you know, in terms of I, it is a blessing, I should say, in terms of having you know, online capabilities. I, I don't have a problem with, you know, using online. There's just, God uses that. I, you know, God used the printing press during Martin Luther's time in terms of the, the Reformation. I think God is using the internet today. But I think you are right in asking that question because I do think that it made people lazy or, or not as keen to, to return because they didn't necessarily in their mind think they needed to. And so it, you know, church kind of went online and, and, you know, we missed that physical contact, but, but, you know, they, we kind of played into our own flesh. I mean, our flesh says on a Sunday morning, especially if I've worked, you know, five or six days, if I've worked 50 or 60 hours in a week, and then I've got home, you know, I've got, responsibilities at home, I have responsibilities in family, you know, Sunday rolls around, boy, it feels good to stay in bed that extra couple of hours and, and, you know, jump up at, you know, 1030 or, or 11 or whatever time, you know, the broadcast comes on and let's pop that on television. And, and, you know, for some of us, maybe we stayed in bed and watched it. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, that was so easy to do. And, and I think it, I mean, I think it really was a, you know, I think, you know, in terms of how we respond, I mean, from a fleshly point of view, it's hard to get up and go to church. It's hard to, to, you know, actually come in and socially interact on a, you know, on a Sunday morning, especially when you're tired from the week and, and you want to just, you know, base, you know, veg on the couch. And so, so I think it, it sowed to the flesh. And so, 
Yes, I think on one hand, it was a good thing. It is a good thing. It can be a good thing, you know, getting the message, the gospel out, you know, to a, a lot of people, especially the, the infirm, the, those who can't, um, you know, they, they can't go to church, and so they can listen online. And we have some people in our church that are, you know, that in that position, and, and it's a good thing. But on the other hand, I think in that particular situation, it was fleshly, a fleshly response. Absolutely, and, and there was a moment, just a, a fraction of a second, where it looked like this was church in the future, that it was no longer going to be in person, that now it was going to be all... I think some people thought, wow, this is this the future? I mean... Well, I mean, you did have, you did have church leaders who were trying to basically say, you know, this is the way of the, way of the future. And, you know, it, we may have, we may get to a position... I, you know, this is, I would, not to be a, too much of a conspiracy theorist, but I don't think this is the end of it in terms of, you know, this is what happened in 2020. I think that, that you know, the next emergency that comes, you know, quote, unquote, emergency that comes down the line, the pike, you know, they already know that this is how it was handled. And, and I think it's, you know, that playbook's going to be used again. And so, and I think when it's used again, it potentially it could be, you know, even more devastating to the church in terms of how we respond. So I think that it could be that we have to deal with this again in the future. We need to be, we need to be cognizant of that. You know, we, we should fight for gathering. We should fight to be the, to be able to gather together. And, and it may be that in the future we have to go underground to do so. So how do you feel Pastor Brandon, about John MacArthur made the statement as uh, watching the the movie that uh, he's hoping that some pastors feel guilty after watching this. What do you think? Well, I mean, I go back to, I think, the, the, we again, we need to be, you know, have precision in our thinking and understanding. When you're talking about the first couple of months, I mean, Grace Church shut down. You know, we we shut Grace Bible Church in Gainesville shut down. Um, I don't think that was the wrong decision based on the information that we had at that moment. Mm. Um, when we look at it in hindsight, it would seem to be the wrong decision. Like when I when I look back on it, I say, well, the government was not being fully upfront, and so therefore, therefore, it was the wrong decision. Yes, I, I, I think so. But at the moment, I think it was the right decision. So, again, precision. But for those who continued to fight and even, you know, disparaged those of us who opened back up, you know, you know, we're putting people in danger. We're doing, we're not submitting to the government. The government says to do this. They're the authority. For those people, yes, I, th- I hope that they watch the essential church. I hope that they see what has happened and, and they come to repent for those actions and for those attitudes because I think they were wrong. I think they were wrong in, in doing so and in, in saying those things. And for those churches that, are, that you know, shut down for, you know, multiple months and years even, uh, I think they did their people wrong. Now, <laughs> having said that, if that's where their doctrine led them, Maybe they should stay shut down, and they should. Those people should come to a church that, you know, that is going to follow what the word says. But yes, those people need to. They need to repent, and they need to. They need to see what that they didn't obey Christ. That they mm. were they were disobedient to the Lord. Okay, so you agree with Johnny Mac? I do. I I do agree with Johnny Mac. Again, we got to be precise because, you know, there's some guys out there saying, "Well, we never shut down," and. 
And I, I, again, that first, that first month or two, I mean, if you go back and project yourself into that position, that first month or two, we didn't know what was going on. I mean, it, I mean, it did look pretty bad and it did look like that things could, could really, 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 really get out of hand. And, you know, you know, looking back on it now, that's not what happened, but, but I mean, it was, um, yeah, it was a tough decision at the time. And I don't blame anyone for making that decision at that moment, in that moment, given the information that they had. Yeah, absolutely. Is it hard to think in precise ways? Yes. Like, how do we do that? Well, it's it's interesting because I think our, we can we can have muddy thinking. Uh, I think I, you know muddy thinking, clear thinking. You know, and imprecise, precise. I mean, I think it's easy to have. I think it's easy to be muddy in our thinking. I think it's easy for us to make generalizations that aren't that, that that aren't true in every every situation it's easy for us to say well we shouldn't obey the, the government because they're they're evil well i don't know that there's ever been a government that has existed in terms of civil government that's ever existed that didn't have sinful evil influence I, i'll give you another one imprecise thinking well i mean there's hypocrites in the church i, I don't want to be a part of hypocrites well Yes, they're hypocrites in the church. That doesn't nullify what God calls us to be, you know, in terms of what the church is called to be. And and yes, there's there's false teachers in the church. I need to avoid false teachers, so I'm not going to go there. Well, that's that's imprecise. That's muddy thinking. We need to understand and and be precise in our thinking. We need to be clear. We need to be biblical in our thinking and and make sure that we're taking every thought captive to Christ. You know, I was thinking about this. This is I don't know if this is if this is another podcast. When you look at our world today and churches, especially like our church in Gainesville, there's all these small churches. People have so many options because of the internet. They can listen to whoever they want. And you have people that say, I'm, I'm sure there are people out there that live in Florida that that just that listen to Grace Church in California, John MacArthur. They watch it, and that's their church. They don't go to church. And and what it does, I think, is it when people are unhappy with their church, they, they just go, you know what? I've got so many options, so I'll see you guys later. Whereas 100 years ago, that was their church. Yeah, for sure. It is a situation. I mean, we've seen that here in Gainesville for sure. You know, we've we've had people who have watched us online they've been and not come at all. We've had people who have come for a season and and have decided to move on. You know, when we first got here, we had some people who Grace Community Church in California was their basically their church. I mean, they would listen online to them and, you know, use, uh, you know, Grace to You as a resource and use Grace Church as a resource and not actually have a church to, to gather with uh, here in Gainesville. You know, we had some people who were in that position. They came to our church for a season and then, as far as I know, are back in that position because they just, you know, something happened. They didn't agree with us and, you know, how we were doing things. And so, you know, they moved on. You know that's a that's the world we live in, and unfortunately, what's happened is is this buffet of mm-hmm. well, I can take this teaching from over here and this teaching from over here, and you know maybe I can go to this church for a while or that church for a while. If you know I don't have to ever really submit, I don't have to really ever, you know, fellowship with them. I can I can you know just kind of come in and out, and I don't don't really. I mean, I don't get. I don't have to be held accountable to what I believe. I don't have to be held accountable to what I do. I, you know, just kind of live my life and, 
and that's unfortunately what's happening. And and we you know should recognize that. And I think this situation sort of played into that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It, yeah, and that's what I mean. It's it's just so different now. And yeah, if anyone's uh, unhappy with their church, there's so many more options. I like the buffet. Well, and it's a and it's a you know there's the marketing approach. You know that you know we have we have great a great worship you know band we we have incredible worship we you know we uh maybe have a 20 minute sermon 25 minute sermon 30 minute sermon you know paired together with a you know that's that's more of a motivational speech and paired together with a with a great you know with great worship or we have a great youth group or you know we we have whatever it is i mean matter of fact, it's funny when i first got to Gainesville they the i i did met with some local guys here with the Baptist Association and you know they told me that you well you can't you you got to have something you got you got to have something that you can hang your hat on and I said well I'm just going to preach the word well that's not good enough you're I mean I'm I'm dead serious that's not good enough you you, you know the, you can't do it that way and yet that's what we've tried to do or what we have done and, and we still are doing that today but but the point is is that yeah in this world of marketing and in this world of I can kind of take from here and there and everywhere and I don't have to submit it's a it's a yeah the church is really struggling in that I like how you said that buffet Christianity yeah that's what we're seeing all over but let's get to the nitty-gritty as Nacho would say you just mentioned it already if this I think the essential church is setting it up if this happens again I guess it's not even if it's when when this happens again Romans 13 there's a lot of great Christian men that read that and and they they understand it a certain way. Let me read it. At our church, we do the grammatical historical. If you read it for what it says, and here's what Romans thirteen one says: It says, "Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God." So that we have God, who is the supreme authority. He then gives man authority on earth. He gives man authority, but he does it through government. That's how we do it. And then there's also, he instituted the church. And so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read this for you. In the movie, we saw an elder pastor at Grace Church, Mike Riccardi. He was rethinking Romans 13 and its meaning. He studied Martin Lloyd-Jones's commentary that God hasn't laid out the order for man, the authority, looking at it as as a hierarchy where God is on top, government, and then church on the bottom. Here's what Martin Lloyd-Jones says about Romans 13. He says that the submission to the authorities and powers that the Apostle Paul speaks of is not slavish servitude, but godly submission to the authorities that God has ordained for the good and for the good of all people. So I don't know if you've ever, but that I never thought about that until I saw the documentary. I just knew that God has ordained authority, but I did kind of always think the government was a little bit above it. What do you think about that? Have you ever thought that? Uh, yeah, well, I think what we have to recognize is that the church in history has always had to be challenged in order to refine their doctrine. And, you know, it's, it's interesting that Lloyd-Jones was you know, already there in terms of, and, and as a resource that God sovereignly, Martin Lloyd-Jones, have that understanding. Yes, I think that we were probably sloppy in our exegesis in Romans 13 in the sense of thinking that government really had this umbrella over us, and I'm borrowing from yeah. shiny, happy people, the, the IBLP, umbrella. but 
you know, I mean, that, that the government was sort of over us and, you know, we had to submit to the government in that sense. You know, it's interesting because uh, I like the idea of lanes. I mean, we have our, we have, the church has its lane and the government has its lane. And in terms of authority, that we, the church has authority in, cert- in a certain sphere, and in a certain sphere, the the government has authority. There, in terms of in terms of how we work that out, where the government tries to get into our lane, I mean, we have to we have to stand up and say no. This is what God has said. Or, or if the government is doing something that's anti-God, that's not godly in the sense of doesn't line up with God's law, we have to speak out. I mean, we can't just. We have to recognize that we have a role in, you know, we have a role in the world, and there's a there's an authority that the church has, and we have to stand, you know, for the truth. And I guess it's a it's a it's just a different differing way of interpreting that because there were some churches and some pastors that said absolutely we're not going to meet until the government says we can. Then you had other pastors that said no, we're going to meet because the government is not above the church. They can't tell us when and when we can't meet. And that's where the conflict was in the church. I think we talked about it. It did it shed a light on what's going on in the church. Sure. I mean, I think it comes down to it may be un it may have been unwise to meet. Again, I we've talked about this in the, in the previous episode. I don't have a problem with, you know, there's a deadly virus. The experts are saying, hey, you know, this is a problem. I mean, let's face it. We both had people we knew. We talked about it in the previous episode. It wasn't as if COVID was completely like it was a non-issue. You know, it was an issue. I mean, there was there were people who struggled with it and there were people who died from it. And so, you know, we needed to be cognizant of it. The issue is who is an authority to say this is how we respond. In this particular situation, the, the, the government usurped the, the, the authority of the church. You know, the church, if the church looks at the situation and says it's unwise, you know, for this Sunday or that Sunday to meet because of a virus, because of the weather, because of all those things, yes, it, I think that the church can make that decision. But I don't think the government should be making that decision for us. Did did we make a big mistake by believing the government is neutral? They don't have a, a, a worldview that's opposite us, that they're just neutral. They're just the government. Yeah, I mean, if you if we thought that the government was neutral, that would that was definitely a big mistake. I don't see the the government as neutral. I, I see them as having I see the government as being made up of sinful men and women who have agendas Um and I think we need to be wise to those agendas. And I think we need to continue to be wise. I don't think we should, you know, just because the government does something, just because we're Americans, just because we love the United States doesn't mean that we just take that at face value. They do have underlying agendas that we need to recognize. We need to be wise in this, in this world. So the government does have an agenda. It's like what you talked about earlier. Uh, they have a buffet. They have, they have climate change. Then they have border control. Then they have depopulation. So they have all this buffet of things that they pour into it that they do have an agenda. So the government does have an agenda. Well, Pastor Brandon, let's wrap up this half hour and let's pick this up on the next podcast. We'll put a, like I always like to say, we put a pin in it. We'll pick this up when we come back with the second part of the essential church buffet. Do you know where any good buffets are here? (laughs) I feel like a buffet all of a sudden. 
Chinese buffet or there's or the China Gator. Should we go? China Gator. Ooh. I don't know if that's a have buffet, you, but have you tried? I, I haven't. Uh. What are Chinese Gators taste like? Are they the same oh. as Gainesville ones? <laughs> I don't know. You've been listening to Fresh Bread, podcast ministry of Grace Bible Church Gainesville. For more information, go to gracegainesville.org. And thanks for listening.